In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 47th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app, or you can always tune in using your favorite podcast app. Now, if you missed last week's show, I interviewed Terry Real, a nationally recognized family therapist, author, and teacher. Terry's particularly known for his groundbreaking work on men and male psychology, as well as his work on gender and couples. We took a deep dive into his book, The New Rules of Marriage, What You Need to Know to Make Love Work and so you can check that out on July, or rather from July 16th. Today, my guest is Shauna Shu. Welcome, Shauna. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Delighted you are, Shauna. And Shauna, I want to take a few minutes to tell the listeners a bit about you so they knew who, know who I'm talking with today. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So listen up, folks. Shauna, for more than three decades, she has been working with remarkable professionals. She's been using her expertise in leadership, business ownership, and life with animals to cut to the essence of how someone can shift their thinking and level up their lives. I love that expression, level up your life. Mm -hmm. Now, along with her hard-earned master's certificate in neurolinguistic programming, her unconventional perspective as well as being a certified speaking professional. Shauna's clients include Nike, Columbia, Sportswear, Fashion Group International, and the National Speakers Association, and more than that. Shauna is a lifetime adventurer, entertainer, leadership expert who helps leaders evolve into their highest potential. So you can see why I'm excited to talk with Shauna today. Well, and I'm excited Shana, to be here. <laughs> good. I think one of the things we probably share, we didn't talk about this yet um, when we were chatting before, is uh, I, my, I approach life as everything is an adventure. Me too. Better or yeah. worse. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that we share that. Oh, yes. Well, it is an adventure because I haven't done it before. The day hadn't happened yet. And then also look at the eyes that you can use. You do it. I do it. And I think a lot of people do it, but maybe they don't recognize that they're doing it. If you go with a beginner's mind, we've all heard this expression before. Yeah. But if you think of an adventurer spirit, oh, what can I learn or can I do it? And, you know, instead of, no, I can't. <laughs> right. We're, we're like, well, let's give it a go. It'll be yeah. an adventure. That's exactly what I say. I yes. mean, even to the point where for a long time, I didn't want to have kids. I was really, really happy with my life. And I met this person and I was like, oh, this person's amazing. And they said, I want kids. And I was like, 
oh, I don't want kids. <laughs> and it took me a while to get to the point where I was like, well, having kids with him would be an adventure. You know, it would be. And, right. And I had to get it took me literally two years to get to the point where it had to be more than just an adventure that it had to be. Um, I could do this even if he and I were to split up, for example, you know, because, of course, you'd never want to be like, oh, um, well, here, take him back. Bye. <laughs> you know. If I had to be prepared, could I do it alone? <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. I haven't heard of it. No, no. So, you know, that was the point where I was like, yeah, this would be an amazing experience if I did, if I chose to do this with this person. And you did. Did you do it? No, no, oh, okay. I never got pregnant. Um, so I said, honey, you need to have children. Um, I love you. And, and. Uh, and you and you got to go find children because you know it's not going to happen here. So yeah, so we split up and it was a lovely, amazing experience. I'm happy for you. Thanks. And I actually, you know, there's everything's an option. I'm an adopted woman, so my folks could not have children, and so they went the route of adopting, and I am the recipient of this wonderful option. So anyway, hopefully he has his children now. Yes, I do. I, and I've always think, you know, one day I'm going to see him on the street and he's going to be holding the hand of this exquisite child. And, <laughs> and I'll be at least delighted that he got to have that, that uh, dream. Wonderful. Now, Shauna, I've got some questions running around my head. Though, before I jump in and ask, I'd love for you, now you shared a little bit about being adopted. That's very cool. And I would like for you to share with the listeners uh, even more about your personal life, anything that you want to share that maybe we won't be talking about from a business perspective? Well, thank you. And if I can make it nice and concise, because I think most listeners, or at least I'm projecting myself, I want to learn something. Tell me what, tell me something that will help me in business or with teams or how I will be a better leader. And I guess that would be my, the whole trajectory is I was raised in the country and I was by these wonderful older parents that couldn't have children. And so animals became gigantic companions to me and started to teach me some lessons that I have used throughout my life. And then because my mother was not fearful, maybe they looked at me with this redhead, you know, white pasty skin, braces, glasses. And she went, oh, heavens, no one will probably marry this girl. So they sent me to finishing school <laughs> oh, no. and, uh, and they got me braces and, you know, my glasses went to contact lenses, you know, all these things. And so I'm like everyone else, you know, I have, I'm super confident in much of my skill base and then I'm super insecure, you know, about other things. And I think as leaders, we end up with this, sometimes this imposter syndrome Yeah, where, okay, I, I've gone to all the school and women sometimes do this more than men, right? I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm strong enough or good enough, or uh, if I have, I don't know if I have it. Well, you do have it. There isn't a woman who isn't presented. Well, I would say maybe there are a few, but I don't know any presented with a challenge and don't raise to that occasion. That's mm-hmm. the way humans are built. Well, so, as, yeah. let me add to that because I think it's important for people to realize it's what I hear you saying is it's part of the human condition for us to doubt ourselves in some areas sometimes. Yes. Like, and it, and we can also be confident and insecure simultaneously. Yes. yes. I remember I was 
I reunited with my high school friend, my, my childhood buddy. And we went to our, I don't think, I think it was like our 20 year high school reunion. And she sees me, oh, you know, Amy, you live in Switzerland and, and you're so confident you have your own business. And I was just like, you know, walked on water in her world. And then we get to the high school reunion and I'm sitting at the table. I'm like, oh, Paula, I mean, you know, right. you know I don't want to name the names of the guilty parties. I'm like, you know, I don't want to, she makes me so insecure. And I was like really stressed. And she said, Amy, you're Amy. How, how can you be insecure? I'm like, I think I feel like I'm back in high school. <laughs> and I was okay with the fact that I was having this, hiccup and this moment of insecurity though it was quite a shock for her because she sort of made this assumption that you know everything that the way I walk through life 100% confident all the time and I'm like oh no no I have my moments well and speaking to that when we one of the things that I've been forever has been a lifelong seeker and I wanted to learn what I didn't know or I would see somebody that I thought was super cool and I would want to emulate that or what are you reading or where are you going or what are you doing? And I think what the leaders that I work with understand that they've got some blind spots or that they don't know what they don't know. I mean, that's the highest level of awareness. So then they invest in themselves with you to you're an executive coach or, and me, I'm an executive. They invest with whoever is their spirit, who they like that energy of. And then we help them get to this entirely different place. I have been coached my whole life. I've had mentors. I, I applied for and just did a ton of things to have people mentor or coach me. And I remember my first, the first coaching ever I purchased, it was hugely expensive. And yeah. I was married at the time. And my, my husband looked at me and went, are you out of your mind? I mean, you know, what are you doing? And I always ran my own businesses. So he had no say in it anyway. That could be a reason that we're no longer together. <laughs> and I said, I guarantee that I will earn three times this investment back. Because it was, I understood that if I go to a whole, if I level up myself and my skills and where I'm at, yeah, that now I, I maybe I should do that in other personal levels, you know, like when we don't live our body. Mm-hmm. So then you go back and you say, all right, well, let's, let's do some work on that. But mm-hmm. as far as leadership, it's definitely a skill you can learn and develop yeah. and not just do. Cause I think most people think they're pretty good leaders that I, mm-hmm. I liken it to this. And if I can, might be so bold that it's a, leadership is not a hard concept. You have people that are depending on you. And so you're, you're directing or delegating or all the things, the skills that you learn, but to get good at it takes more than just doing it or saying that you are. Yeah, it, it really takes some self-awareness. It also takes someone from the outside helping you to see what you cannot see. Sure. And I like it. My dad was a, a carpenter, a master builder. He was crazy great. And he used to be able to nail things. I mean, whatever he nailed, it was a tap and whack, tap, whack. I mean, he was brilliant, fast, accurate. It was crazy. Well, this is not a hard skill. Here's a nail. Here's a hammer, but you don't even want to see me hammer a nail. I, mean, I, right. I bend it. I hit the wall. I hit my finger. So even though it's the same concept, fairly right. easy, here's the leader. Here's what has to happen. Most of them are whacking the wall. They're bending the nail. They're making 
damage. They're damaging others and themselves because they're not very masterful yes. at it. And oh, that's God. where that's the tragedy. Yeah, it is the tragedy, but they don't, they understand the concept. Well, the nail got in and I'm like, right. well, let's make it masterful. Shall we? Yeah. Yeah. And only those really higher levels actually invest in themselves. Don't you find that to be true, Amy? Um, sometimes people are invited to invest in themselves. <laughs> Some of them are required. Um, and I have to make sure even if they're coming begrudgingly, are you going to be coachable? Cause yes. otherwise it's going to be a waste of time and money. Agreed. Um, so, and that's part of what I'm good at is inspiring and motivating them to see, here's the payoff to you. If you're, you know, if you can step into being coachable. Beautiful. So that's, yeah, I know it feels really delightful. Uh, Because bottom line, I say to people, you're going to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Where do you want to (laughs) sign? Nice. So, Shauna, I one of the things I work on with people is power and status. And so when I think of leaders and they have this this responsibility because they have that power. So thinking about the powers that be, what what would you say are some key best practices that help these leaders gain the respect of the people that they lead? Ah, what a great question. If I, what I've uncovered as I work, been working so many decades with, uh, started out really young. We always have to say that when you add all these decades up, that most leaders are doing three things, I believe. They're telling. They tell people. They tell them what right. they want. They tell them where to go. They tell them what to do. They tell them, tell them, tell them. I'm always telling them. Mm. And when I'm listening to my coaching clients, I hear them say this. Well, this is what I told them. Right. Or I can't believe I told them that and they did something different. So right. there's a lot of telling going on. The other thing that most leaders do is they sell. They're selling their concepts. They're selling their ideas. They're selling a new initiative. And I always laugh when I hear a leader and they go, oh, yeah, my people tell me the truth. And I'm like, no, they do not. Because if, if their job is tied to your attitude, they're not telling you the truth. But leaders believe that they are being told the truth. Yep. And so they say, oh, I've got this great idea. What do you think? Well, they're not going to say it's not a great idea because you just right. paved the way. So we're selling more than we think we are. And the third thing that leaders do that I, I really think is, is a key here to watch, and I don't know if it's correct, but alter or evolve is they allow and leaders are allowing. So let's use the dog analogy. Uh, My animals are not allowed on the furniture Uh until after they have a bath, you know, then they're all snuggy and they're clean. Oh, that's that's motivating. Right. Well, they don't know that it's only when they have a bath. So on the day that they have been running through the mud and the briars and the They're up on the couch because I allowed it once. Right. So now learning this lesson, whatever you allow, you cannot be angry for. And yet we are. So bad behavior, somebody who's taking advantage of overtime or they come in and whine. And here's the biggest thing I think leaders do. And please take this to heart. They'll, someone will come in and say, I wanted you to know what's going on on the floor in the branch or whatever it is. And the leaders all ears and this person's doing this and this one da, 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 or they treated a customer poorly. And the leader says, thank you so much for telling me. You just allowed gossip and whining and complaining. And you're going to get a lot of it because that employee felt terrific. 
So now they're looking for all the things that are going wrong. Mm -hmm. So you get more of what you allow. So those are the three things I find. Tell, sell, allow. You bet. That's what most leaders are doing. And we could do better than that. So what are then, if that's what's getting them in trouble, so to speak, what are the best practices for them to gain the respect of the people they lead? Here's the the great part of it. It's kind of like the hammer analogy. The best thing, best tool is becoming a good questioner. Okay. Here's the challenge. People think, oh yeah, I ask them. I said, well, did you ask them a question instead of tell them? And they'll go, oh, yeah. And I said, well, tell me what you ask. I said, why the heck did you do it like that? <laughs> Sounds like a great question. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, that was a bent nail. That was a hammer on the wall. That was a bat, you know. So it's so easy to say, become a great questioner. And the concept is easy, but most of us don't question very well because right. we ask why questions. We put people, we, we're making them wrong by our questions. Right. You know, how did you think that would turn out? You're just so making then, them wrong. All right. So then what's the guideline for being a more effective questioner? This is a beautiful question. And Amy, you're a good questioner. Oh, thank you. You've got to figure out the intent or what you want from this exchange. So if someone you're leading has made an error and mm-hmm. you immediately don't yell at them or sell them or, you know, or tell me what happened, right? Now they're going to justify. I mean, even that's a question. Figure out what you want. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to my clients and I ask them and they, they say, well, what if I ask them this? Well, you can ask them that if you want to make them wrong. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll ask them that. What were you thinking? Or go over the steps you made to make this decision. All of that's going to make them justify and wrong. Right. Right. So Got it. The, the answer is what is your goal for the conversation? And okay. if it's to make them wrong, you'll get that done. Yep. But if it's to uncover, not even what they did, but here's the essence of it. Uncover what this teammate is going to do to fix it. Mm-hmm. Now that's getting something. That's going to a place where no blame, no anything. This happened. Okay. Would you walk me through what you're going to do to correct this? Nice. And then suddenly the the person who may be frightened or whatever, or they were going to justify, suddenly they have to use their noggin. They have to think and go, what I'm going to do to fix it? What? What? Well, who do you think should fix it? Another brilliant question. Yeah. Well, I would like you to fix it. So help me understand what value that would give you. Yeah. If I fixed it. Yeah. And suddenly you're engaged with this teammate and their understanding that you're really paying attention. It's such brilliant work. It gives me shivers when people get it right. So Shauna, as I was listening to you, what popped into my mind was a tiny book that you may know, The Tao of Coaching. I don't, but there's a Tao of lots of things. So that would right? be a good one. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to recommend this to listeners. It's called the Tao of Coaching and Tao spelled T-A-O listeners. And it's a tiny itty bitty thin book. Believe it or not, there's a romance story in it. So that's a bonus. 
And it's essentially helping non-coaches step into the role of a coach. So it's great for leaders who may not have any formal training as coach. And the reason I thought of this book specifically, Shauna, because in the back, there are two pages of questions. Now, it's true that the questions are meant to take people through a coaching process, though I suspect there's many questions that could be a standalone all by themselves. And and it's a great reference to have. So I would recommend to listeners, to leaders who want to up their game with questioning is to consider picking up that book, The Tao of Coaching. Bravo, bravo. And with my clients, sometimes we'll start with what we just covered, that there's these three things. And we don't get there until they've done it. Because I find that the beauty of one-on-one coaching is the tool it doesn't present, or I don't give a tool until it's happening. Where if we go to a a class or we take a course, here are all the skills we have to have. This is what you do first and do second. But if you Mm. never use it, it just flies out of your mind. But if it's, you're right in it and I go, okay, let's, let's talk about what was your first step. Well, I ask a great question and I go, okay. And then it's not just the questioning. So what did you want to get out of that? Yeah. And there's this big silence, but I I didn't actually think about that first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. This is what, (laughs) when I do trainings, people will do what if scenarios. And I say, let's not waste time because it's just not nearly as useful as bringing a real scenario that a challenge that you have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So Shauna, one of the things that I'm curious about, because working with cross general generational employees, what are ways leaders might miss the mark when working with younger or older members of their team? And this is an area where you have some expertise on. I'd like to hear it. One of the things that I find, thank you for asking that, we are living in the most interesting times because we're extending the age of which people work and also the fact that some of the most brilliant thinking happens with some maturity. Only when Mm. those thinkers are engaged in continuously learning. So a leader will sometimes make a mistake of either assuming that person is a certain way, and maybe they were in the past, or they will assume that the younger could do it better or faster. And so assumptions are what get you into trouble. Uh huh. This is the biggest thing is that, well, because they're at this age, or I worked with a leader recently, and we were talking about a challenge that they have with someone. And the comment the leader made was, well, I don't really want to mess with this because they're retiring soon. And I went, Oh, yes. Okay. So what do you, what does that mean to you? This is my question to them. And they go, well, you know, within the next two years, I'm assuming, I think they're at this age. Look at all the assumptions that are being made. And so let me see if I have this right. You're going to allow this bad behavior for the next two years. Is this what you're teaching all the people that are younger there that they can, yes. the older they get, they can have bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. So, or they're really valuable to us. And so we let them get away with things. And the idea is, is that all human beings are valuable. There's a wonderful book I would recommend people read, especially if they're, they're well, in any age, but it's called The Secrets of the Grown-Up Mind. 
The and, secrets of the grown-up mind. Yeah, or the, the grown-up brain, maybe. I'm going to see if I, I – I didn't know I was going to bring it up. So um, We can I, check it over the break if you want. Perfect. We'll, we'll, in a yeah. perfect. we'll check it over the break. But it tells a story about um, – they were doing um, – in America, You they only let air traffic controllers go up to a certain age and they must retire. Uh-huh. But in other countries, they allow them to be older. So they did some sort of an experiment where they took a 25-year-old and a 55-year-old. And I think it's 55 when they have to retire here in America. And they pitted these two brains on learning how to do air traffic controller and then simulations. Well, the 25-year-old learned it and was quick and it was this. And and they got it all together. You would think they're smarter. It took the 55-year-old longer. They were more meticulous. They took longer to learn it. But when they actually did the simulations... The 25-year-old killed people all the time. And the 55-year-old made better and better decisions in these simulations. Wow. Because they had discernment. Because they, had, they, they used all of these other skills that were not about rapid learning or picking up the technology. Isn't that fascinating? Mm, that really so as, is. As a leader, we have to look and say, all brains have value. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And it's you're you're right. The assumption building gets us in so much, or assumption making gets us in so much trouble in so many places. I, one of the things I say to, to myself and to my coaches is, assume you will always make assumptions. <laughs> that, and that's so, a good assumption, <laughs> right? So that you can always know. Oh, I I've probably made an assumption here. Let me check this out with reality. Yeah. So yes. Shona, we're going to go to a break in a minute. And um, when I, when we come back, I'd love to talk more about this and see if there's anything else that you would like to share around challenges working with cross-generational teams. Now, listeners, you can connect and find out more about Shauna by going to her website and that's www.shaunashu.com. Let me spell that. S-H-A-W-N-A-S-C-H-U-H.com. And listeners, if you are ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You'll find details about it on my website, carolcoaching.com. That's with two R's and two L's. And when we come back from the break, we'll be hearing more from Shauna. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. 
That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back. My guest today is Shauna Shu. We've been discussing the challenges of leaders and working with cross-generational teams. Now, Shauna, I want to jump back to a book recommendation you made before the break to make sure we've got the title and the author. What was that book? Thank you. It was The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain, and it's by a woman named Barbara Strauch, I think, S-T-R-A-U-C-H. Okay, great. I love the subtitle, too. It says, The Surprising Talents of the Middle-Aged Brain. Oh, that's very encouraging. Yeah. It also makes me think of a book I read once, The Secret Life of Bees. Yes. Good book. Great book. I'm not a big fan of reading. And I would be, there would be these sentences, and I'd be like, wanting to find someone just to read, listen to this phrase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was in awe of that book. You know, you make a point very quickly when you are changed and challenged by books. One of the things I think leaders, well, we've all heard this, leaders are readers. And so if, you, if, if anything else, like you're listening to this podcast, oh, I could be a better questioner. How do I do that? We talked about investing in yourself. But one of the most important things is what are you, what are you listening or reading? And if you don't like reading, Audible is my I love Audible. So I'm listening to books all the time and I keep track of them, even though I, so that I can go back and reference them and underline or whatever. It's such a, it's a strategy. So if, if you want to know whether or not you're succeeding or what a person really cares about, I always say, check your calendar and check your checkbook. Hmm. Because if you're not purchasing or investing in courses and books and coaching, then you can talk a blue, you're till you're blue in the face. I don't believe you. Yeah. And people say, well, health is really important to me, but it's inside your checkbook. It's McDonald's, 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 really? Mm, mm. Or your calendar. Where are you eking out or where do you schedule time for reflection? Yep. I do a accountability call with my clients Monday through Friday and, uh, it's 5.15 a.m. in Pacific time. I know. I'm seeing your face. Everybody's shocked. I've been doing it for 15 years, by the way. And it's part of the, the, the whole message you're, you're, in, you're sending with accountability. Oh, you know, by- well, because if you're if, – so on Mondays, everybody says what they will be accountable for. Now, you could do this on your own. Sure. The, the reason it works – and I'm going to set, tell you, because I think it's a good technique for people, that it works because I truly am the leader of it. So I'm writing down what you say. 
Okay. This is this isn't fun and games. And people are paying. They're either with me coaching. You can only get on if you coach with me. But right. even after you stop coaching with me, you can continue to invest in the morning call. I've had one woman on it for 15 years. That's how effective it is. Wow. I've had another woman on it for 14 and a half years. She joined us right after we started and they get so much value from it. So here's, here's the way you would lay it out. If you were going to do it for yourself or with someone else, Mondays, you, there must be a structure that every day you're talking to each other. And on Mondays, you leave no more than three things that you will be accountable to by Friday. And in my world, I like it to be something, maybe personal, something career or something lifestyle so that you're actually not just, Oh, I'm going to exercise, eat right. And right. So on Monday, yeah. On Monday. And I write them all down and then there's a theme. And here's what's amazing is that when you're hearing a quote or like you and I are sharing books and things like that, but we're in our own, our own silo. So when I bring up a quote or we talk about a theme on Tuesday, when we all get on the call, and by the way, these calls are only 15 minutes off and okay. on, so right. that you can go in and exercise or write or work because I have people across all time zones. Yeah. When someone says something that you had not thought of, your mind just goes, whoa, I mean, it's sparks all over the place and you get this per- in your your mind expands. So Monday, so Tuesday and then Wednesday we share a win. And then on Thursday, I sometimes have a guest coach. A lot of times I do because number one, it's wonderful. And number two, it kind of throws us off into a new, one of my uh, dear peers is writing a book. And so he's bringing like the newest chapter, the newest story to us on Thursdays. And then on Friday, I read off what people said they would do out loud in front of these strangers, which yeah. they're not strangers after a while. And I'm right. going to tell you, when you know you have to say yes, no, or a percentage, you know this, Amy. People do oh, it. Yeah, that's right. I had a woman lose 60 pounds over the year. Wow. She just always said, I will do this, this, this. And then on Fridays, she would say yes, yes, yes. And it, over the course of 12 months, she just did it. Yeah. It was no, crazy great. Yeah, that's what, uh, when I, normally when I do my trainings and I have a one hour follow-up call four weeks after the training, I know they're just like, oh my God, we're going to be talking to Amy in four weeks. I have to practice. (laughs) This is the point of accountability. So anybody can have an accountability partner. Right. But really and truly, instead of lying to yourself or ourselves, I know I do sometimes. I didn't eat that much. Well, the bag's gone, Shauna. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and even the dog is not there's nothing there for him <laughs> right um when when you actually keep track from your calendar from your checkbook when you actually i record the books that i listen to and read and all of this is personal accountability and i think yeah. it's it's something the best leaders have or put in place for themselves yeah so um, this is leading to the next question I have for you. How can leaders shift the feeling of being stuck or frustrated? How Such do they course correct? Good, 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 good question. And the reason it's such a good question is because it's going to bring us right back to what we talked about before the break, which is about questioning. 
Okay. So we all have these internal voices talking all the time. And we have things that are helping us and things that are hindering us. And so when you're going down a path that you don't like, generally the things you say to yourselves are poor, poor questions and poor comments. Mm -hmm. And you can hear it in people. We've done it. You forget something. You go, oh, you stoop. Why'd you forget that? You actually called yourself a stoop. Or, oh, that was so dumb, 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 you know, because we're angry. Look at what you're doing. So if you want a course correct, it's really about asking the internal questions. And here's the big, the one I find that's the most difficult. Stay away from why negatives. Give me an example. So why did I say that? Mm -hmm. Why did I eat that? Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Why do I fall into this trap? Why did I even get angry? Why did I, why, why, why? Because your body, your entire psyche, your mind wants to answer questions. So when you say, why, let's go to super simple. Why did I, why was I so sharp with that teammate? Well, the answer is going to be, well, because you're arrogant, because you're an ass, or because you know what I mean, or whatever, because you have no patience. I don't even know why you're in this role. And you are now, you know, you're moving yourself down into this, this gluttony. And mm. more importantly, it's very difficult to course, course correct. So here, one thing, bang, S- refrain from any why negative questions. Okay. Why negative? Why did I do this? Why am I so stupid? Why, 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 why? Let go. And by the way, I would also say refrain from asking your team or anyone you lead why questions because it makes them justify. Yeah, the way I say it is it puts us on the defensive. Yes. Oh, ourselves internally and others. And and, and other people, correct. You bet. Why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Yeah. There is no good answer for that. Okay. So I have to give you an excuse. Got it. So you're going to get the wrong answer from others, but more importantly, you will get the wrong answer from yourself. Okay. So to course correct, to course correct. <laughs> we'll do it a third time as they say and in the I'm chair. a speaker. <laughs> I know. You would ask a different question of yourself. Okay, it happened. The bag's empty. I was sharp with a teammate. What do I want? How will I do that differently? What do I want? How will I do it differently? And the other thing is, mm-hmm. what will I do to repair this? Nice. Because these questions lead to some sort of action from you. Yep. What's the next thing? How will I repair this? You have all these great questions and suddenly your whole mind goes, I don't know how I, know how I could repair that. Course correct. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And it all stems, it seems as if the answer is the question. It's generally the question. It's just you getting better and better or more masterful at asking questions that produce results. Right. So I ask questions all the time. Why did I eat that? Why was I sharp? Why am I so impatient? Why, why, why? And they're questions and they're terrible questions. Mm -hmm. So it isn't asking questions. It's being masterful or internally figuring out the question that produces the result. Question that produces the result. Got it. Now, as you were speaking, something that just popped into my mind, are you familiar with 
nonviolent communication. Yes. Okay. So I like nonviolent communication. Right. Most <laughs> of us do. Yeah, I'll vote for that. So this comes from Marshall Gold, Goldberg. He talks about yes. um, the feelings and needs. And so one of the things I'll do with myself when a situation has happened and I'm upset or angry or hurt or frustrated or just there's something off and I encourage my coaches to do it is, and I don't, not sure if this aligns exactly though, I a- ask myself the question, what am I feeling? What am I needing? And the first reason for doing that is what I've experienced is it offers me emergency self-empathy. Mm. Just by acknowledging, oh, I'm feeling embarrassed or ashamed or disappointed. Oh, okay. That's the first layer of calming down. Oh, I'm needing acknowledgement or to be heard or for ease. Next level. Oh, okay. So it's all starting to make sense. And it's similar, I think, because now it's like, how will I correct that? Well, sometimes when I identify what I'm needing it will sometimes lead me into a strategy that can help me resolve that issue. So um, I real you've just helped me realize that you applying NVC either to myself and inviting my coaches to do it is a way to potentially stimulate more powerful, more useful questions. Yes. And I love what you're, where you're going and what it shows me is how, your evolution has happened when you're listening to someone else. I love um, Marshall. He's written um, what got you here. Won't get you there, which was a great book. And there's an accountability section. He would call a friend at the end of every day. And his question was that friend asked him always every day was how often did you have to be right today? Oh, I think we're talking about two different Marshalls because that's oh. Marshall Goldsmith. And I might, so that's who maybe what I said. And I'm thinking of Marshall Goldberg, who developed nonviolent communication. And Marshall okay. Goldsmith, brilliant book. Yes. It is. It is. What got you here won't get you there. Yes. So thank you for clarifying. And look at all the book tips and books we're sharing. <laughs> here's, here's a different little wrinkle on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And as a leader, so as a human, I might say, how am I feeling? Generally, as a leader, I'm not certain I want to ask others how they're feeling. And and maybe that you didn't say that's what you should do. I find that a lot of people, especially with the pandemic and all that happened, people would call and go, how are you feeling? Well, feelings are transient. I mean, in one second, I feel terrible. And the next second, I feel euphoric. I mean, this is how, how rapidly feelings can shift. True. But when you say, how are you feeling? You're asking for... An or there's no concrete result from this. Got it. Now I'm, I'm just dealing with leaders here, Hmm. not our internal yet, but when we're externally and so many people want to check in with their people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have a whole view on that, which I think is probably not your best thing to do. However, when you ask them, how are you feeling? Immediately you're allowing them to go down a path of, well, you know, actually it's been a little hard. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you going to do with this information mm-hmm. versus a question like, what was the one best thing you did today? Mm, Whether it be nice. personal or professional. And then suddenly they have to wait a minute. There's got to be something that went good. 
And so now they're on a different path altogether. Right. Of what went well. And they sometimes they really have to think about this. Um, well, if I had to say, I don't know, because where they were at is isolated, whatever it might be, feeling overwhelmed. But what was one thing you, that you did really right today? Yeah. And so yeah, that's really we, getting the brain yep. on a different path. Nice. So your internal piece, what do, what do I feel and what do I need? I'm going to suggest as a leader, very rarely do I ask those. I would not ask those two questions to someone who I was leading. Yep. I would say, what, is, what went well with you and what's your plan to per- Progress or what's your plan mm-hmm. versus what can I do to help you? Oh, this makes me think of Marshall Goldsmith, who we were just talking about, about his feed forward model, which I use all the time. What worked well and even more effective when? So, yep, I 100% agree with you. Brilliant yes. questions. So that's where, especially with everything that's going on in the world, people are feeling interesting and somewhat, I don't know, isolated. It depends on the human. True. So let's focus on what actually is good. Yeah. So Shauna, you know, I'm curious to know what would you say is the most imperative trait for a leader to foster in order to build inclusive and high performing teams? Because that's such an important area that people are starting to appreciate more and more. It's an excellent question. And because I, the basis of all the questions that we've talked about and how powerful I think a leader can be with that, the only way, it's not a manipulative tool. So the trait behind it yeah. would be empathy. Mm-hmm. It would be truly caring for the result. You know, I, I was working with a client and we were going to do a traits exercise. And I always, I'll ask the team, I'll get together and facilitate the leadership team. And I'll say, well, what are the traits of a good leader? And people write all this stuff down and then we compare them and we come up with what they think it is. Yeah. So I went online and looked for traits of a leader from Harvard business review or whatever. And what was hysterical is there were the 10 traits from Harvard. There was the 10 things from, you know, another Inc magazine. There were the 15 traits. None of them were the same traits except empathy. That's fascinating. It was. It blew me out of the water. And then I realized, yeah, they were like, because some was about character and some was in this and some was over here and some was, and all of them were different. And this is what happens inside the team. You say, what do you think the top traits are? And they write it down and they write it down. And then you realize, especially if you have all leaders or you have leaders and followers, what the leader thinks is the traits are not what the followers think are the traits. Right. So then you get across the table and say, what can we agree on? But to ask good questions really and truly takes a heart, an open heart. Yeah. And I think some leaders, it's, I'm the leader. I have to know what's going on. In reality, you don't have to know anything. You just have to ask good questions. Mm-hmm. I love that part. That's really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, you know, you one of your areas areas of expertise is animals. And we know that expression, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. I'm curious to know if you agree with that. 
Do you think it's possible? Uh, um, absolutely, it is possible. And I think the expression is, do I want to take the time to yeah. teach it all time? <laughs> yeah. Because that's where you say the generational thing happens. Mm. Well, I'm stuck in my ways or they're stuck in their ways. Mm. And you just labeled somebody that, see, this is what's so exciting about neuro-linguistic programming. Our brains are moving. There's neural pathways and we're getting all these. I mean, it's the most fascinating. And we now are learning things about the human mind that we had no idea about in the past. And it's, it's just thrilling to me. Yeah. So when I, I look at someone coined this, I was doing an anti-aging thing and it was like lifespan versus health span. So the way we look is our lifespan is we're young and we're at our peak and then we start to degrade. Mm-hmm. But a health span, we're young and we're healthy all the way and we keep working our mind and we keep working our body and we keep staying healthy. It's not about how long you live. It's about how healthy you've lived. Mm-hmm. And that is mental. So yep. for me, when I look at the evolution and what we're doing, if you continue to grow, the the more maturity, the more wisdom that you bring. And that's the difference. And you can go through all these different different times of your life. You're at different stages of what you think you want. And then there comes a time where you seek to give back or you're so wise and then you realize you know nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's the wisdom of it. Mm -hmm. So I hope that answered your question. I just feel like there is no end well, look at Tony Bennett, who is partnering with people four decades younger than he is. And he's at the he's still at the height of his game. Yeah, that's he's a great example. So why are we not looking at it that way? Why yeah. wouldn't we expand all the way through our life? Yeah, there's a quote about um, the survival of fittest is not about being the strongest. It's about being the most adaptable. Oof. So when right when we're nice. flexible, when we're adaptable, we increase our value to the people around us because we can provide more for them. Um, and I, one of the things I say to my coachees, because my coaching style is very in your face, very directive and can be confrontational. And I say, you don't have to get it right. You don't, you, and I also say, you don't have to like what I say. You don't have to agree with it. Just stay open to it. Mm. And stay open to it over the course of the program and then when you're practicing on your own. Because that way, if you stay open, more information goes in. You're making those muscles and that ego flexible and agile. So I'm always very impressed with people that when they, they remain open and flexible. Absolutely. So then the next question is, what are you learning? I mean, what if that is the question you ask your team all the time? Who's learned something that they can teach the rest of us? What was an insight you got that surprised you? And remember, all of these are questions. Yeah. I'm just the girl that knows, (laughs) like she knows, that it's the quality of the questions that make the quality of your life. Yeah. So, Shauna, we are just about to wrap up. And I would like to ask you as a final question, what is – a call for action you have for listeners? Well, what's the one thing you want them to remember, perhaps? I guess I've said it enough, but if it was an essence of one line, it would be how good are the quality of your questions? Mm -hmm. 
And if you keep saying, how good are the quality of my questions, you will become better. Mm -hmm. Nice. And for me, listeners, my call for action, I've got a couple of them. My first one is to go to Shauna's website and take the free quiz called Uncover Your Leadership Blind Spots. And I think you'll find that quite eye-opening. And again, her website is shaunashu.com. That's, let's see if I get it right this time. (laughs) S-H-A-W-N-A-S-C-H-U-C.com. No, U-H. You were close. Oh, my God. Okay, let's start again. All right, all right. Scratch that, listeners, one more time. S-H-A-W-N-A-S-C-H-U-H.com. Yes. Thank you. All right. Great. And listeners, my second invitation to you is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, and blunders, and your successes. You can do that via email or social media, and I'll be reading them and discussing them on future shows and making suggestions. You can reach me on my email at amy at carolcoaching.com, and as I said earlier, that's two R's and two L's. Now, question listeners, do you sometimes wonder how to create lasting change in any relationship? Would you like to discover the two things you absolutely must get clear on to have a passionate partnership? If so, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I'll be speaking with Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and a certified sex educator. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. And you can always check out my website for more information. I've got loads of videos, podcasts for you to in upgrade your, and what do I say? I'm going to use Shauna's expression, up-level your communication at carolcoaching.com or reach me on any social media channel, Amy Carol Coaching. Now, listeners, if you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on my discussion today with Shauna. Shauna, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I am appreciative to have met you and love your energy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, Make your partner look good.